Good morning. So the talk today may be an extension of last week, which sounds good. Last week you talked about what? The war. Yeah, when I heard the title, I thought it meant Unitarians fighting other Unitarians, <laughs> which yeah, sounded interesting to me. Uh, but I guess that really wasn't what it was about. But we're going to talk about Jesus' idea. Well, we're going to use it as a context. Jesus' idea of where he, when he says resist not evil and then talk about what he really means when he says that, according to me, and what that might mean for us when we confront evil uh, on a personal but also maybe national and international level. So let me, let's just, there's a lot to cover, so I'm going to jump right into it, and then we'll use TalkBack to personalize it, all right? So I'm just going to set the stage, and then we'll see where, where it takes us in the conversation afterwards. So when Jesus says, resist not evil, it's from Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, and then he's going to go on. But whenever Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, you know he's going to comment on something from the Torah. Jesus is a Jew, right? So everything Jesus says is in reaction either to the Judaism he was taught, or the Roman law, uh, Roman occupation law under which he lives, because Jesus lives in Roman-occupied Jewish Palestine. So he's responding to one thing or the other. In the first case that he gives, he's responding to a law in the Bible, which he uses rhetorically, and I'll, and I'll give, tell you how that works. So he says, you've heard that it was said, and then he accurately quotes the Bible. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. So it seems clear enough. I mean, I'm reading from the English. It seems clear enough. But it's nowhere clear if you understand not only where he's coming from, but the language of the text itself, which is not English. The other day I was walking my dog. I walk my dog all day long, or she walks me, I'm not sure. But we're coming home from our late night walk around nine-ish, and there's a church two doors down from me. It's this wonderful, I don't know if it has any denomination, but it's an African-American church. On Sunday, I mean, I love coming here, and Austin is great, and the choir is great, but that church rocks. <laughs> and they, it's just this great church. And, and they have Bible study on Wednesday, and this was a Wednesday night. And they all know me. So we're just chatting on the front porch of the church. And I said, you know, how was Bible study? And I said, oh, it was really great. And I said, you know, someday you ought to invite me to Bible study, and I'll show you how Jews read the Bible. And they were oh, that'd be really interesting. And I said, you know, we don't do it the way you do it. And they said, well, we just read the King James Version of the Bible. And I said, you know, Jesus didn't know the King James Version. <laughs> and that was already a little shocking. So when you read here that uh, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, um, and then he goes on to say, but I say unto you, resist not, do, you know, do not resist an evildoer. It's just not so clear. So let's take it apart. First of all, where does it say in the Bible, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? So let's just look at that for a second. That comes from the Exodus, and it's this discussion about what happens if two men are fighting in the, close to a pregnant woman. And they're fighting, and they 
knock over the woman, and she loses her baby. What, what's the consequence uh, to the two guys? And so the Bible says that the two guys are responsible, or if, if, if both of them are responsible, they, the Bible assumes one of them actually falls into her. So if one of them is the cause of her losing her baby, that guy has to pay. And they mean pay, cash. And the, the amount that's owed is set by the court. Now, it's important. It's set by the court because Jesus is going to take on the court in a second. It's set by the court. So who gets the money? Well, the baby is not considered a person. If it was an embryo, and this is Alabama, <laughs> different story. But here, uh, the baby is not considered, the Bible does not consider uh, an unborn child a person. The rabbis don't consider a child a person until the baby or the, the infant is 30 days old. Uh, that's when personhood starts. So the baby is considered property. Technically, you could argue it's the woman's property, but the woman, because she's married in the story, is the property of the man. So the woman's baby is the man's, her husband's property. And so the money goes to the man, and how much the man gets depends on what the court decides. Does that make sense? You follow that? So it's all about property. The baby is not, the unborn child is not a person. Okay, so that's the first point. Uh, so then it goes on to say, if something else happens to the woman, there's additional damage to her besides losing her unborn child. If there's additional damage, that's where you get um, the eye for an eye. So it says, uh, if no further damage befalls the woman, then the one responsible for her, the loss of the unborn child has to pay whatever the judge has determined. If, however, the woman herself is harmed, you know, besides the loss of the baby, then you shall give life for life. So if the woman dies, the person who caused her death dies. Then now it's considered a capital offense. Uh, if the woman loses her eye, then it says eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Whatever you did to the woman is now going to be done to you, right? Now, that's what Jesus is, is working from. Now, Jesus lives centuries and centuries after this Exodus text was written. Whether or not the Exodus text was ever law is unknown. But by Jesus' time, it's not law. In Jesus' time, it's considered, uh, I don't know what you call it, it's, it's a tort law. It's, it's about financial compensation. The rabbis read the whole thing, just like the woman's, um, the loss of, of the unborn child is recompensed through money that the court decides. The loss of her life is not, is recompensed through money, whatever the court decides. If she loses an eye, there's a financial um, settlement for the eye. If she loses a hand, there's a financial value assigned to the hand, and that's what the guy has to pay. So everything is reduced to money. No one actually gets their eye poked out. Remember when Gandhi says, you know, if, if you live by an eye for an eye, then soon the whole world is blind. Gandhi knows the Bhagavad Gita. He doesn't know his rabbinic you know, Talmud. So he doesn't realize that no one lives by the eye for an eye rule. So Jesus is using this rhetorically. But his point isn't an eye for an eye and the whole world gets blind. His point is to say, uh, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, but I say unto you, do not resist an evildoer. Okay, 
Now, whether the person who caused the damage is an evil person, we don't even know. It could be accidental. It doesn't matter. You're liable. You following me so far? Okay. So why he makes this leap. It's a rhetorical leap. We'll just let him have it. Do not resist an evildoer. What does it mean to resist? Jesus doesn't speak English. He speaks Aramaic. We don't have the original Aramaic. I mean, there's some people who take the Greek New Testament, which is all we've got, and they try to back-translate it into the Aramaic, but what they're really doing is saying, I wish Jesus had said this, <laughs> and then they make up the Aramaic that might say that. But what he says, and who knows what he said, but what he says in the Greek, and my Greek is, is terrible, um, what he says in the Greek is, uh, the word for resist is enthymisti. No, and yeah, anthistomy. You don't have to worry about that, but that's, what, that's the word as best I can translate it. And it means the A-N is don't, and histomy is what you're not doing. That's resist, but it doesn't just mean resist. There's two meanings of the word, uh, if I'm pronouncing it even close, histomy. Anyone know Greek? Good. Histomy. <laughs> so don't, don't histomy, right? So what, what's this, this histomy? So there's one reading of it that says, histomy is a military term when two armies meet in a field. Uh, lined up against each other, and then they battle it out. Now, Jesus lives in Roman-occupied Jewish Palestine. The Jews are way outnumbered. Romans are the power. The Jews have guerrilla warfare. You know, they have zealots, like Judas Iscariot. Uh, the Iscari, Judas Iscariot, Iscariot's not his last name, it's a title. Judas the terrorist means the dagger man. And the Iscari were people who had hidden daggers in their tunics, and they would wander around, you know, hey, how you doing, how you doing, hey, nice to see you, Roman terrorist, hey, I mean, Roman, Roman soldier, hey, nice to see you, and then they'd stab them, hey, how you doing, and they'd walk away. So they were the dagger men. Um, and there were lots of those guys, and eventually they have a war with Rome and they lose, because you can't beat Rome. So Jesus is saying, maybe, don't resist the evil ones who are the Roman occupiers. Don't resist them by going head to head with them as in a field of battle. Because we don't have what they have, like an army. Right? We don't have that. So you're going to lose. So he says, don't do that. Now, the Jews try it. After Jesus is dead, the Jews do try it, and they do lose. And they don't learn from their losing, and they try it again a few decades later, and they lose worse. But Jesus says, don't do that, because you haven't got the force to do that. That's one way of reading this histamine. Another way of reading it is, don't take refuge in the legal system. Now, in the Exodus story, that's where you go for restitution. You go to the courts. There was absolute faith in the justice system. In Jesus' time, the justice system at least according to Jesus, but historians in general. In Jesus' time, the justice system is corrupt. It's owned by Rome and the Roman and the Jewish collaborators with Rome. It only benefits the wealthy. It's not like today. 
in about a minute. So Jesus says, don't use the, the court system. And he's going to give you an example in a second. So if you can't go head-to-head -head with the evildoers, and you can't use the legal system, how do you resist evil? Because he's not saying don't resist evil. He's saying don't resist evil by going head-to-head -head like you had an army, and don't resist evil by going to the court system. So the implication is, what else can you do? Because if all he's saying is don't resist, that's the end of the verse. That's the end of the, the teaching. Right? But he goes on. <clears throat> and he says, um, and, and, you know, these are famous things, you've heard them. After he says, um, don't resist an evildoer, he then says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. Now, when you go to, to Christian church, they'll talk to you about the ethic of turning the other cheek. But Jesus says, turn the other cheek in a specific context. What's the context? What's the other cheek? He says, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek. It's the left cheek, it's the left cheek right? So now I'm going to be teaching from uh, this guy named Walter Wink, sadly deceased. Uh, he's written a lot of books on, he's, he's a New Testament scholar. Um, and this is a book called The Powers That Be. It's, it's a brilliant book. All of his books are brilliant. Um, and <clears throat> Walter Wink is a historian of this period. And he tells you that Romans, and it's not just him, but Romans are obsessed with right-handedness. I mean, so are we. My dad was left-handed. And going to school, they kept beating him on the left hand to make him right-handed. Anyone have happened to you if you're left-handed? Really? <laughs> yeah, two, it's, so you become a right. We, by the teachers, by the, yeah, not by kids. By, yeah, right. Yeah, because it's satanic to be left, you know, all this stuff. So it, it, it's true in, in our parents, uh, and maybe in our own time, and, and certainly uh, in, in Jesus' time. That's why when you shake hands, we always shake in the West here, we always shake right-handed. Uh, because what we're doing is, in Roman times, you wore your sword, because right-handedness was the only thing they liked, you wore your sword on your left hip, so you could grab your sword and pull it out. When you held your right hand out, you were saying, look, Ma, no sword. <laughs> and if you were left-handed, you could sneakily pull out your sword with your left hand and kill somebody, and so no one trusted a left-handed person. So you were saying, look, I, you can trust me, I'm, I'm unarmed. So Jesus specifically mentions the right cheek. And we've remembered it for 2,000 years. I mean, and this wasn't written down right away. So it was written down, if it was written down or just made up, who knows. But it wasn't written for decades after Jesus. And if we played telephone in this room, we couldn't get a, a phrase from you know, this end of the room to the other end of the room without being corrupted. But we remember right cheek. This was very important, obviously, to remember it for 2,000 years. Why is it so important? Because if you're a right-handed culture like the Romans were, and you were going to hit someone on the right cheek, how do you do it? Backhanded. Backhanded. No. Or backhanded. Backhanded. Because it's a right-hand culture. 
to hit him on the right cheek backhanded. It was a dismissive slap to a subhuman. In Roman occupation law, any Roman soldier could walk up to you, and that's who Jesus is talking about according to Wink. A Roman occupier could walk up to you and smack you in the back with the back of its men, could smack you in the back of his hand on your right cheek. Otherwise, he's going to go this, which is stupid. <laughs> you know, then you're just playing. <laughs> so he's not doing a seal impersonation. He's smacking you as, a, as you, you subhuman animal and just doing that to you. And so then Jesus says, don't resist. Don't go at him like your equals. He's got a sword and he's got friends and you're going to get crucified. Because in Jesus' time, tens of thousands of Jews are crucified all the time. There's forests of crucified people. Don't do that. And don't go to the court, because if you go to the court, they're just going to hold you guilty anyway, because it's corrupt. So what does he say? Do. Turn the other cheek. Turn the left cheek. Now, the only way in a right-hand culture that a person can slap you on the right cheek is open-handed, which in Roman times was a sign of anger between equals. Jesus is saying, piss the guy off and dare him to slap you as an equal, which will take your sub, here's the Roman, take your subhuman status and make you equal. The Roman can't do it. You've put the Roman in a total bind. He wants to do it, but if he does, you win because you're no longer subhuman. Now, I don't know what you want to call that, but just hold it in your head, because it goes on. So then he goes on. Then he says, uh, oh, I wanna, I'm going to take them out of order, because the, the second one is about the court, so let me pull that off. If, the third one is, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the extra mile, go the second mile. Of course, he doesn't say extra. He says the second mile. In churches today, it's a moral thing. Oh, go the extra mile, right? Which just means... Do more, you know, go do, do a better job, do even more, you know, whatever, the, it, it becomes an ethical, a, what, a sort of a vapid kind of ethical, just do your best and then some. But that's not, Jesus is not Oprah, right? Jesus is, <laughs> is teaching you the acts of resistance. Don't resist in the courts, don't resist through violence. They, someone makes you carry their pack a mile, go a second mile. Why would anyone make you carry their pack? Roman occupying law says any Roman soldier can grab you, in this case we're talking Jews, can grab you off the street, give you their 40, 50 pound backpack, sack, and say, carry this for me. They can turn you into a pack animal. You do this, I don't want to carry it. You carry it and you have no recourse. This is what happens in the story of Jesus carrying the cross on the way to Golgotha to get crucified, and he keeps falling down. So they take the, the cross from him, they grab some guy named Simon, right? And they say, carry this. And he doesn't go, hey, look, I got a meeting. You know, he goes, okay, because if he doesn't, they're gonna kill him. So he does it, it's, it's the law. He has no choice, because he has no power. So it's another way of reducing the occupied people to a subhuman status. But it's, there's rules, and the rule is, after the mile, you're done. They have to take the pack, right, the pack back and find someone else to carry it. Jesus says, don't give it back. Jesus says, you know, you're carrying it like a mule, 
And then the guy says, give me my pack back. And you say, nah, you know, I was going this way anyway. I'll get, it's no big deal. I need the exercise. <laughs> you know, it's good for my posture. I don't know, say what you want. I'm going to carry it another mile. But that's not allowed. Because now that's an act of a friend. And you're not friends. You're supposed to be subhuman. So the Roman says, no, give me my pack, pack, back. And you say, no, 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 it's fine. I'm going to do this. You're being, you're killing, literally killing the guy with kindness. And people are going to come over and go, what is going on? And the Roman says, I'm taking my backpack back. And, and you're saying, but I, I'm happy to carry it. It's OK. It, it makes a mockery, as did slapping you on the left cheek. It makes a mockery of the law. Um, it reduces the power. This is the theory, anyway. It reduces the power of the Roman occupier, and it elevates the status of the occupied without any act of violence on the part of the occupied. It makes the occupier look stupid, right? I mean, agree or disagree, but that's the idea. The third, which is in Jesus' telling, it's the second, but I'm putting it last because it takes a different, the evil is different in this, in the, in this, in this one. Jesus says, if anyone sues you, now it depends on the translation, but I'm going to give you the, the wink translation. Uh, in, in the new revised edition and lots of other Bibles, it says, if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your coat also. But that's, I don't, that doesn't really get to the heart of it. Wink says the Greek is better read. If anyone sues you and takes your cloak, give them your outer garment, give them your underwear <laughs> as well. And what he says is, most of the people, most of the Jews of that time were subsistence farmers. They, had, they bought just enough seed to get through the season, and if things didn't go well, the crops weren't, you know, it was a bad harvest, they had to borrow money to buy more seed for the next year. They were always on um, the verge of going uh, broke. I, that's not the word I'm looking for, but they're always on the verge of, uh, on the verge of financial disaster, and they would constantly borrow, and they'd have to give collateral, and then if they couldn't pay it, they would be sued, and the people would keep their collateral, because they would, they would be allowed to keep the collateral, uh, and then um, get the money for the crops and pay what was owed, but if they couldn't pay what was owed, because the crop was bad, they'd have to give what they uh, put up as collateral. So they'd go to court, the court is corrupt. So instead of saying, well, we can't take this person's clothes, then what do they have? They're going to take your clothes, because that's the court. It's corrupt. So Jesus says, if they do that to you, which must have been a standard procedure, and the court is not just Rome now. The soldier slapping you and the soldier making you carry your pack, that's, that's just Roman occupation law. He's saying now it's the court system, which is both the Roman and also the Jewish collaborators with Rome. He says, if the court system, which is totally corrupt, is taking your outer garment, Push it, give them your underwear, and walk out naked. Now we know, literally, we know what nakedness is in the Middle East. We know from Abu, Abu Ghraib, right? When the US strips, uh, you know, whether you want to call them terrorists or whatever you want to call the people they held in Abu Ghraib, when they stripped them naked and stacked them up and, and made fun of their bodies, it was such an act of 
uh, dehumanization, just nakedness, was such an act of dehumanization. In the Bible, when God creates the, the first people, it says they were naked and not ashamed. The assumption being nakedness and shame sort of go together, but in the beginning, they weren't ashamed. But now, nakedness and shame seem to go together, it, it's, it's not everywhere, at least still in that part of the world. And so Jesus is saying, go out naked, and people are going to freak out. And they're going to come running over to you and say, what is going What? You have no clothes on. What is going on? And you're going to say, they did it. The court did it. They stripped me naked, both uh, literally, because here I am, and figurative, figuratively, because I've got nothing left. And all of these things are going to undermine the credibility of the occupying power and those who collaborate with the occupying power. And what Wink is arguing is that this is Jesus' way of resisting. He's not telling us, don't resist evil. He's saying, resist evil smartly. Don't resist evil as if you had an army, because you don't. And don't go to the court system because it's corrupt. Do it some other way. Now, it looks like, now I don't know if this is true. I'm saying it. It looks like, at least in this uh, section of Matthew, that he's saying do it through, I don't know, mockery, street theater. Um, I don't know what other words come to mind when we're... Sorry? Subversion. Subversion of, of some sort. Um, using humor, maybe. Uh, but it's in your face. This is not passive. This is, I mean, you could get killed for this. But he's, but, but he's not inviting that. He's, in, he's, just in, he's inviting mockery. I kept thinking of, you know, John Stewart comes back on The Daily Show, and he's mocking these things in, in the... Um, Commentary on, on his return. There's some people saying the time for mockery is over. We can't make fun. It doesn't matter. Uh, the the and I don't. I mean, I'm happy to get political, but I'm not. I'm not trying to go that way. But you know, MAGA America is beyond shame. Remember when McCarthy? Not, I don't mean. Um, I mean the old McCarthy. Uh, Joe McCarthy, and I forget the senator's name, have you at last, sir, have you no shame? <clears throat> that may have worked back then, but today, what's shame? We don't even know what shame is anymore. So they're saying mocking, shaming uh, doesn't seem to work because the evildoers, if you like, have no shame. So maybe this, this doesn't work, but it seems to be that this is what he's, he's going for, that there, there is a way to undermine the system, uh, the, the, the oppressive system of domination. Um, and that's, that's what Jesus is talking about. So I'm going to end in a second with the question, does this have any relevance today at all? Not literally. But can we take the theory here and use it to resist evil? Because there, I think there's real evil. There's the evil of, um, I mean, you can get global. There's evil of Putin and the massacre, the genocide in Ukraine. 
there's the evil of Bibi Netanyahu and Smotrich and Ben Gavir and the genocide of, of the people in, now you're going to say Gaza, and two weeks ago I would have said Gaza, but now I know it's Raza. <laughs> That's how you say it in Arabic, Raza, but however you want to say it, Gaza, Raza, it's the same, it's the same thing. Um, could, um, could the Palestinians use Jesus's methodology? Not, not in Gaza itself, it's too late for that. But could the Palestinians on the West Bank use Jesus's methodology to uh, bring the Israeli settlers, do they have, do they have shame? I, I have my opinion, but I'm gonna hold it back. Could they be shamed into liberating? I mean, the Romans couldn't in the end, right? The, the Romans wiped them out. But would it work today? Would it work in Alabama? Would it work if, you know, one of my friends said he saw somebody with a Yeti in, in Alabama, with a Yeti uh, icebox, and he's got test tubes in it, and he says he's using it so he can drive, and he, he's telling the people he's got embryos in there and a Yeti icebox so he can drive in the HOV lane, you know, the multiple <laughs> passenger lane. It's got lots of people in the icebox. So, I mean, would it work to, to use humor? Can you, can you defeat the madness with humor? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, but that's, that's the question. That's the question. Is, the, is Jesus' method viable? Gandhi thought... I mean, you could, you could go back to Gandhi. Gandhi thought it was, and maybe with the Indians, the Indian uh, population in South Africa, it worked. Martin Luther King thought it was, and maybe in, in uh, Selma and Birmingham and other places, it worked. Uh, would it work today? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's the question. That's the question. Is there any validity to this at all? How do we resist evil um, if the court system is corrupt and maybe you don't think it is so you can push back on that and if we don't have the power and I don't know what would be the equivalent of the military so maybe it's just voting I don't, I don't know that's what I'm leaving you with if, we, if, if you think we can't face off the way Jesus says we can't face off if you think we can't go to the courts what do we do or if you think we can face off and we can go to the courts, then share that information. I'm leaving it open-ended because I'm hoping you can, you can in, take the, 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 what I'm presenting and make it more deep than, than I did. All right, so I'm going to stop there. Thank you very much. And uh, resist not evil.